Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. We've been in this series talking about reflecting Jesus. And so what does the image of Jesus look like? And we talked about him being the way. We talked about him being the light. We talked uh, about also in that same message, him being the life. And today I want to talk to you about him being the truth. Because the scripture says that he, as I talked to you last week, it says that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no person comes to the Father except through me. And so as we look at this today, he's the truth. And that's what I really want to be talking to you about today. It's like, um, um, what is the truth? You know, we are in this time where truth, you, you used to be able to watch the news and, and you get the facts but now you don't get facts. You get pundits who are giving political opinions. And so every news uh, cast, it doesn't matter. News really isn't news. It's actually opinion now. And so there really is not, in my opinion, <laughs> I'm giving you my opinion, I don't think there is a news outlet out there that gives you the facts. Every single news station gives you what their opinion, and you can just tell it it's biased. I remember when I was in, uh, in school, it was my first year of college, and I was taking this oral communications class. And in the oral communications class, we all had to give a, a speech, and the teacher uh, gave us different types of speeches that we would have. And some were persuasive, some were... Um, um, I forget the others, but the one that I, I did was like a motivational, persuasive, or whatever. And uh, actually, that's not what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to just give a speech on facts. But I gave the speech, and I, I made an F on it. And so I'm like, I worked so hard on this, and I get an F on it? And she said, yes, because you didn't follow the assignment. She said, you... you uh, gave a persuasive speech and you were just supposed to give the facts and you weren't supposed to come to, to uh, a conclusion like you were just supposed to put the facts out there in your speech. You were su just supposed to tell the facts. But I was trying to persuade my audience. You know, I was trying to persuade my audience because I picked a subject that I really believed in and so... I was, didn't realize that what I was doing when I was uh, in this speech, I was trying to get you to buy into my point of view. And there was a lot of speculation on this particular subject that I, that I was uh, giving a speech on. So I failed that, that speech. So many times when we look at things today, it's like, are you telling me the truth? Or are you telling me your point of view? Are you telling me the truth or is this your opinion? And the, the way that we live in our world today, it's hard to know what the truth is. 
communicating the truth is, is important. Um, you know, I, I know we just get sick of it, but it's right here in front of our face. There's so many things about COVID that it's like, at this point, what do you even believe about this stuff? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what to believe. Like, you told me this, and now you're telling me this, and then it's this and that, and it's not this, it's this, and if I wear this and that, and, and it's like, I don't even know what's true anymore. And it's like, um, but they'll send a letter, and there are 125, uh, you know, medical people that will speak on this, and then somebody else will send another letter, and they'll one-up it by a hundred medical professionals. And it's like, okay, so I don't even know what truth is anymore. We're, we're living in a day where truth seems to be relative, but truth is not relative. Let me see if I can get back on, on track with these slides. And All right, it looks like we're there. So what is truth? Well, For us, it's very important to know what truth is. God is truth. The scripture says God's not a man, so he doesn't lie. The scripture says he's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? The scripture says that Jesus is truth. So God is truth. Jesus is truth because Jesus is God. Jesus told them, I already quoted this to you earlier. I'm the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So God is truth. Jesus is truth. And then Holy Spirit is truth. The scripture tells us in John 16, 13 through 14, when the spirit of truth comes. So he is truth. He can only tell the truth. Holy Spirit can't tell you anything. You know, Holy Spirit is not going to tell you to hook up. with your girl at the club. He's not. Holy Spirit's not going to tell you anything that violates the word of God, which is the next. The Holy Scriptures are true. So God's true. Jesus is true. Holy Spirit is true. But the Holy Scriptures are truth. Look at what the word says. It says, make them, us, holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So truth for the believer is what does God say about it? What does Jesus say about it? What does Holy Spirit say? What's Holy Spirit saying to me about it? And what does the word of God say to me about it? For the believer, that's where we get our versions of our our, um, basis of truth. We don't get a version of the truth. We get the truth. And there are so many people in the body of Christ that they are basically dabbling into things that are not truth. And here's something that I need for you to understand that the devil will tell the truth, but it's always for an ulterior motive to twist the truth for some kind of perversion to take place. He'll tell you the truth, Like when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he was quoting the word, which is truth. He was telling the truth. But the reason he was even saying that stuff was to get Jesus to do something that he knew that he couldn't do or shouldn't do. The enemy will speak truth to you. Well, you can't do that. Well, maybe you can't do that. 
But the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So maybe you can't do it. And so God just has to make a way for that to happen. And I've seen that happen time and time again in my life. And this is what I want you to take away from this today is that your attitude, my attitude, our attitude towards truth affects the outcome of our life. Like how you perceive truth, how what you do with truth is going to affect your life. That's really important because, you know, truth, I can do a few things with truth. So what can I do with truth? And there are four things that people typically do with truth. Number one is they reject or they rebel against truth. Like they will hear truth, but they reject that. Now, rejection is a rebellion against truth. Rejection is, I hear this, but I, I don't believe this. The sad thing is, guys, there are so many believers in the church today, they actually don't believe the word of God. I don't, know, I don't know how people don't believe the word of God. Like, what is the purpose of coming to a local body, worshiping in a context like this, when, when we, we don't believe the basis? Are you following me? When we don't believe the basis of what truth is supposed to be. And so they've just rejected it. They don't, they don't accept this as truth. That's somebody's opinion. That's somebody's uh, version. And I want you to get this, that rejection of something is rooted in arrogance. I want you to look at this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Imagine Paul live, is living today and he's writing not to Timothy, but to Rife. Imagine that Paul is my overseer. He's the apostle over me. And imagine that he's writing to Rife. So this is second Rife 4, 3 and 4, okay? And so it says, for a time is coming in 2022. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. And they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject truth and chase after myths. The scripture says that there is a time coming when, when people will do evil and call it good. And then they will call good evil. Dude, we, I don't know if he was exactly talking about 2022, 20, whatever we, you know, season we're living, living in, but he could be. Might as well be talking about today. We live in a day where Evil is called good and good is called evil. So it's rooted in arrogance. Arrogance is, I know better than you. You ever had a person, man, you, you can't tell the, them anything because they know everything. They know that better than you. They know way more. Like rejection Rooted in arrogance says, I know you're the creator, but I know how to improve your creation. I, I know a better way to create. 
there are some modifications. Like, I mean, we, you gave us the rough idea, but like, I'm just going to improve on your model. Listen, we can't improve on anything that God gave us. Like, we can create things because he's a creator and we're creator. We're creative. But everything that we do comes in its basis from him. And I want you to, you know, I was just looking this week and I saw this. You might have seen this. But this is a true story. Uh, it's an article where the pregnant man emoji is among 37 new emojis coming to your iPhone. The pregnant man. Really? Now, full disclosure for some of you guys who are just waiting to bash what I'm saying. Full disclosure, it's in beta testing. So you actually have to, you know, download those. You have to download it. But it's only a matter of time, but those are going to be on your emoji list. Why is that a big idea? Why, why is that a big deal? It's not the truth. There is, hear me. Dude, one day, y'all, I'm going to need y'all to come to bat for me. Because somebody is going to get a hold of, like, I mean, we put it out there on the internet. It's out there every week. But somebody's going to get a hold of me saying some of these things. And we're going to have CNN on our front doorstep of the church. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. There is no such thing as a pregnant man. There's no such thing as a pregnant man. You can try to twist it. You can't, you can't get a man pregnant. You can't. Now, preacher, I saw on one of them YouTubes, I was watching kitty cats playing the tambourine, and all of a sudden, I saw this pregnant man on there. Nobody got that joker pregnant. You follow me? That's a distortion and a perversion of God's creation. And however that happened physically where they went in and somehow planted some kind of, I, I don't know, even understand that. But I'm like, hey, when we get to that level where you're like, I'm, I'm going to tell God like what his creation needs to be. What arrogance. Like, you know, we've got to come back. And I preached in the series last year, Hills to Die On. There is a sanctity of sexuality. God created gender and sex. It, it's his idea. We do not get to de redefine that. We, we don't get to do that. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we are, are hateful to people that are experiencing that kind of confusion. We love them. We love them through it. We love them in spite of it. We may never change their mind, but the fact of the matter does not stop that it's not the truth. And for you to say that you or I know better than the scripture or for God, what arrogance that that is. And yes, the pregnant man emoji is a big deal. Hear me. There are children, there are young people, maybe some of you in this house today that I'm looking at young people. 
that you've already adopted a tolerance for that. Like, it's okay to have that in our world. We're not going to get rid of it. We're not. It's not going away, which means the church has to stand that much stronger and that much firmer. Listen, if you have little children, there's going to come a day where, like, I'm not talking about if you got um, kids that are like six, seven, eight, whatever. I'm not talking about that. If you are just birthing kids, and then those of you who haven't had kids, but you will have kids, there, there's going to be a time and a generation that's coming that they don't know any difference. Like they don't know a time that that was not accurate. Like that is going to be taught in schools. That is going to be taught in churches. It's already taught in churches, guys. There are denominations that ordain people that have said, God, you didn't create me right, so I'm going to recreate myself. The arrogance of creation telling creator what you should have done. It's, it, it really is alarming when you think we are just a generation away, two at the most, of them not even knowing that that, that they was not even a thing. We've got to stand our ground. There are hills to die on, and that's why it's so important that we must be teaching our kids these things. It's important because we do not want to have a generation. The scripture says this, that there arose a generation who knew not God or the mighty things that he had done. Because the Israelites stopped passing on these things. They stopped telling the stories of God's truth and his goodness. They stopped reflecting his glory. They stopped talking about the goodness of God. God forbid. And I'm telling you, church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. I'm so grateful that, you know, that I just want to point out some young people. I'm not going to specifically point you out, but I just want to point you out your presence. It's so good to see young people. It's so good to see young people and young people and young people and young couples. It's so good to see that. But I'm just here to tell you that you have got to hold the ground. I'm turning 54 in just a month or so. Like, there's going to come a day where I, I'm not the guy up front at, that's bringing the truth to you each week. There's got to be another generation that we can pass the torch on to that has a foundation in the truth that they can speak the truth because the days will not get brighter. They will get darker. And the only thing that will get brighter is the light that you shine in that darkness that's coming. So, don't reject the truth. The second thing people do is they resist the truth. Now, resisting is not as bad as rejecting. 
Resisting is just when people go, oh, I'm just not ready yet. Uh, There's probably people in this room that you're resisting the truth. God's tugging at your heart. God's speaking new things to your life. And you're like, "Mm, I, I just, I don't know, Lord. Look, resistance is rooted in pride and performance. While rejection is rooted in arrogance, resistance is rooted in pride and performance. Look at this scripture. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. Like there are times when people that they're too prideful to receive the truth. Like you can try to tell somebody the truth. And dude, I used to be so prideful when I was young. And it, root, it was rooted in my performance and my, like, I didn't match up. I didn't meet up to my parents' expectations. I didn't meet up to so many people's expectations in my life. So I had this high performance mentality. And so that brought a sense of pride because I could actually do a lot of things well. But listen, I'm here to tell you that it does not matter how creative you are or how creative I am or what a genius in business you are. God will raise up somebody who, you know, has got barely two nickels to rub together and just a, a, an integrity about them. And he'll supersede your business savvy and your business degree from Harvard. God is looking for somebody who is humble. And it says also, the verse of, there's a verse of scripture that says not only uh, does, does pride go before destruction, but there's a verse of scripture that says God actually opposes the proud. Like, you want to resist God because of your pride? God will resist you. And I'm just here to tell you, if it's God and you pushing against each other, you and I are not going to win that that battle. He is going to win every time. And so it's also rooted in performance. Look at this. For everyone is sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. Performance. There are people that will say, like, well, they won't say this, but they will reject truth or resist truth because they've got this performance mindset. And that performance mindset is, I have to work for your approval. I have to work for your affection. I have to keep doing things, or I have to do things perfect, or I have to do things right, or you won't like me, or you won't, you won't have a relationship with me. And so I, 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 there's so much pressure on me to perform that if you try to bring truth to me and you try to bring correction to me, I'm going to resist that. I don't know if anybody's connecting with me. I'm, te- I'm telling you, I'm preaching about the young version of Rife Stewart. Like somebody would try to, t- my, my boss would come in. It's his business. And he's coming in and he's trying to tell me how to do something. And I'm like, I, yeah, I got it. 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 I'm not wanting to hear from him because I'm wanting to prove. I'm wanting to prove that I'm, I, I'm worthy of this. I'm wanting to prove I'm worthy to be a good employee here. And, and, and if you're telling me something, that means I don't know something. And, and so it, I'm lesser than. And so I just had this performance mentality about me. But the good news is this. Every single one of us has fallen short. Nobody in this room is perfect. Not a single person. But look at what Romans 8 and 1 says. There's now, therefore, no condemnation. So 
for those who belong to Christ. So look, it's okay for me to admit I don't know everything. It's okay for me to admit I don't have all the answers. It's okay for me to admit when I'm up here, uh, you know, helping these guys with songs. It's okay for me to admit I'm not as good as them. It's okay for me to receive correction from, uh, from um, Brandon on the keys when he's, when he's telling me. And you're such a good encourager too, by the way. But it's okay for me to hear him say, uh, hey, Pastor Rife, you're off on the tempo. Like you gotta, you're dragging it. You're, you gotta speed up, you know. It's okay. And when he says that, I don't go, well, I'm fine, I'm just leaving, you know. Because the Lord delivered me from performance and I know he's just telling me the truth so that he will, I can improve myself. And I don't feel condemned over that. So when somebody tells you the truth and the truth points something out, because I'm, I'm telling you, the scripture says, Paul tells Timothy, he says, the scripture is good for reproof, instruction, correction, discipline. It's good for pointing things out. Things that are right, things that are wrong, and bringing you into alignment. And so if somebody corrects you, if somebody's bringing truth to you, you don't have to feel condemned. Just sit back, and if you can learn this earlier than I learned it, just sit back and say, thank you so much for taking the time to teach me that. Let's say it together. Thank you so much for taking the time to teach me that. I'm telling you, dude, if you can say that, even if you don't mean it, your heart will catch up to it sooner or later. But thank you for taking the time, you jerk, <laughs> for teaching me that. You know, it may take a minute for your heart to catch up but with your declaration, but sooner or later, you're going to learn. It's okay. You Look, God loves you. You don't have to be perfect, but... Look at this scripture. Matthew 5, 48 says this, but you are being perfected even as your heavenly father in heaven is perfect. All right, look at this next statement here. I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected by the perfect one. Like I'm not perfect. I don't have to live up to, you know, expectations that are unrealistic because I'm being perfected by the perfect one. God is the only one who's perfect and that's the truth. Scripture says that he who began a good work in you, that he's gonna bring it to completion on the day that you look face to face at each other. Like your whole life. I wish somebody had taught me. They probably did and I wasn't hearing it because I was prideful. But if they had told me, and probably they did, if I had listened and heard, Rife, life is a journey. You're never going to be perfect. You're always going to be perfecting your craft, your gift. You're never, you will never get to a place where you say, I have arrived. <laughs> I'm all that and a bag of chips with a pickle on the side. You are never going to be that person until the day that we stand and see him face to face. The scripture says, again, he who began that good work in you, he's working it right now. 
if we will humble ourselves and come into community with him. And it's a journey. And on the day that you die, that's the day that it's all going to come full circle for you. Say it with me on the screen. I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected by the perfect one. So you can resist it. You can reject it. Here's the beautiful thing about resisting. Resisting means you haven't rejected it. You're just hard-headed. Got any hard-headed folks out here? Oh, we got a lot of liars. I know that. But it's okay because if, if, if there are areas that you're resisting, and I, I, I see people all the time that are resisting God in a certain area of their world. It's like when you are resisting, there's still hope. There are some of us who have children. There are some of us who have brothers and sisters. There are some of us who have grandchildren that they're resisting. But I'm telling you, I've just been in prayer this week for those, uh, for those family members. And the Holy Spirit said, they are coming around. They are coming around. They are going to come around. They're resisting, but they are going to come around. So look at this. The third thing that people do is that they can receive the truth. All right? So uh, receiving is rooted in humility and teachability. So receiving the truth is rooted in humility and teachability. Look at this. John 8, 31 uh, says this. To the Jews who, th- who had believed in him. So these are Jewish people, but they believed in Jesus as the Messiah. Not all Jews believed in him as the Messiah, but the ones who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He says, what will set you free? The truth. And what's the truth? Yeah, all that. But up there, he says it. The truth are his teachings, his commandments. He said, if you love me, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. The commandments are the teaching. I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm just talking about the general context of Jesus' ministry. He said, if you love me, keep those commandments because those commandments are truth and that truth will lead you to light. And so uh, they can re- when you receive the truth, that's rooted in a humility. It's rooted in a teachability that says, I don't know everything and that I'm receiving the word of God for my life. Look at this. The truth will set you free, but not before it sets you straight. Some people want the truth to set them free while, while they're living unbiblically according to the word. Like, <clears throat> y'all, I know y'all have heard this. Lord bless my mess. The only time the Lord is going to bless your mess is when you bring it to him and you lay it at his feet and you get up and you repent of that mess and you don't go back to that mess again. But God is not going to bless your mess. God does not bless chaos. God is not going to bless 
This living in this way over and over and over and over again. And so many times people want God to bless them. And they want to be set free of things. But they don't want to be set straight. Lord, help me with this addiction. The Lord can't help you if you are not willing to take your step. To turn your will over to him to do something about it. God can't heal you if you aren't willing to do your part. God can't help you if you're not willing to do your part. There's always in everything that we do, even in the salvation relationship that we have with Jesus, there's always a two-part thing. Jesus did his part, and that was the cross. And you have a part to play in salvation, and that's to receive it. If you don't receive it, salvation, literally, it does you no good. So don't be that person that like there's parts of your life that you are not willing to, to get right or, or, or get set straight. Because the truth is not going to set you free if you are not willing to just submit yourself and just be totally laid out before the Lord. Look at this. So the last thing is we can reflect truth, all right? So reflection is rooted in love and obedience. When we reflect the truth, we're doing it because we love him. When we reflect the truth, we're doing it because we obey him. And <clears throat> I had this uh, conversation a few years back with this a female, and uh, I don't, you know, not trying to, like, dish or whatever the word is, disrespect uh, any women. But this woman had a problem. She had a problem with authority. She had a problem. And she's like, I just, when I get to certain words in the scripture, I just change them. And so she would change words that say, like, I don't like the word where it says submit to your husband. I'm like, well, that's what the word says. But the word also says for the, word, the husband to submit to his wife. Submit one to another. It may not say specific, but it says submit one to another. There's mutual submission. She's like, I just don't like the word obedience. I'm like, that's because you're a rebel. <laughs> like, when you're... Like, obedience is just doing what you've been told. And sometimes we do what we're told just because it's the right thing to do and we're submitting to leadership. And then there are some times where we're being obedient because we're doing it as an act of love. There are things that Shay wants me to do. I, I, I can't get off into that too much because I fail miserably. But there are things that Shay wants me to do that... I do try to do them, but there's now, therefore, no condemnation. <laughs> I think they're unrealistic. <laughs> I don't think they're, they're definitely not fun, but she's just got these hangups about the way labels go in the pantry or the refrigerator. <laughs> And, like, 
how, what bin clothes are supposed to go in. I don't know, do y'all have that at y'all's house or is she just freaking me out? Like we have these different bins that only certain clothes can go in. And they're, hard, they're, they're hardly ever is a week that goes by that I don't hear her in the laundry room saying, for the 15th time this week, I don't know how to say it any plainer. The whites go with the whites and the darks go with the darks. I'm like, in my defense, there used to be three of those bins, and she condensed them down to two, and I'm a little confused. It's been a decade, but I'm still confused. You know, I'm slow. But I really do when I put stuff in the refrigerator, and I mean, I'm going to put it in there, and I'm like, okay, there. And then I'll shut the refrigerator, but I won't shut the refrigerator all the way. Any men out there feel my pain? I don't know. Baby, we just need to buy a new refrigerator because she comes all the time and she's like, I don't even know how to tell you anymore. The refrigerator door, like, what are you, a six-year-old? Like, you can't. You can't shut the refrigerator door. I just got to the point now that I just won't even try to defend myself. I'm like, I'm guilty. I'm a horrible husband and father. Yeah. But I do those things because I love her. I do them because I love her. I don't resist it. I, I don't, you know, try to make her life miserable. I'm doing it because I love her. There are things that I do for the Lord that I don't necessarily like, but I do it because I love him. I'm being obedient to him. You know, there are, there are spiritual disciplines. Like we just are, we're ending a fast today. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's not one of my favorite things to do. I used to feel guilty. And then I'm like, well, the Lord knows I can't hide it from him. But I don't necessarily like to fast, but the Lord calls us to fast and pray. And there's certain arenas that we can't go into and be spiritually effective if we don't do that. And so I basically, you know, make my body submissive to what he said. And I'm like, could you not think of some other more fun way to draw closer to the Lord? Yeah. Have y'all ever thought about that? Like, I'm like, why fasting? Like, why doing without food? And I don't have time to get all, but there's reasons for that. But I'm like, I am not the creator. I don't, I don't have the right or position to say, I'm just going to make up my own way of doing things because I don't like that way. No, when you love him, when it's the truth, you submit yourself to the truth and you receive the truth because you love. And so we reflect truth. Look at this. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, imitate, or in other words, reflect God. 
in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Now, if you read further in Ephesians chapter 5, it'll give you examples like, hey, live a life free from, and it just starts listing things. And I'm like, whoa, why don't you go, meaning I've, I've done it, why don't you go read Ephesians chapter 5 and see which of those in that list that we're not living up to and say, Lord, if I really love you, one of, one of those is like unwholesome talk. Like I grew up in a family that, uh, you know, we used, used to tell raunchy jokes, just raunchy. And that's not a part of me. Like I don't tell jokes that are crude about women or people of other races or any, I don't tell jokes like that. Um, Because in Ephesians chapter five, the Lord says, live a life that reflects his glory. And in that list that he gives, that's one of those things. And so I'm like, How can I reflect his glory when I'm doing things that are the exact opposite of who Jesus would be? And while none of us are perfect, and if we let ourselves, uh, if we let ourselves, we could really come under some condemnation. Um, We don't have to because God loves us so much that he says, hey guys, listen, you're not perfect. You've all sinned. I made the difference up. I've got the tab settled. I love you. And once you're in relationship with me, if you will, we'll, I'll just perfect you until the end of your life. And I'll just, t- over a period of time, I'll just pluck those things out or highlight them or reveal them to you. How do you do that? Went through the truth. Because when you begin to live by this, which is the truth for believers, when you begin to live by this, this will highlight the things in our life. And so I want to, um, I want, want to just close this out. And so again, I want you to say this with me. Our attitude towards truth affects the outcome of our lives. Like your attitude towards truth Man, I could give you so many examples of people that they knew the truth as a young person growing up in church, but they didn't live the truth. And so the outcome or the consequences of some of their actions, it affected the rest of their lives. Some instances, it took their physical lives. They're not on this planet today because They rejected the truth, they believed a lie, and it ended up costing their life. And listen, you can reject the truth or you can reflect the truth. I want to be a reflection. And so as we go home today, these are a couple of things that I want to ask you. This is why it's so important to have a relationship with Holy Spirit. Invite Holy Spirit into your life and grant him full access. Like the Holy Spirit is not your roommate. Like you're you're not shacking up with the Holy Spirit. You don't 
he doesn't have a room and you have a room. And then there's this one common area, but there's parts over here. You know, that's what roommates do until they violate it and go in and, you know, (laughs) eat your pizza that had your name on it in the refrigerator. You know, no, we don't have compartments of our life that we say, you know, Jesus, you got this, Holy Spirit, you got this, but you can't have these others. No, for the believer, when we, are, when we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have courage to say, I give you full access to every part of my life. And so if you come in and you see things, Holy Spirit, that I need to change, I'm giving you the right, Holy Spirit, to point those out to me and to correct me in some areas of my life. There's not a person in this room, not one person in this whole room, 360 degrees. There's not a person in this room. That Holy Spirit will not show us things in our life when we say, God, show me areas of my life that don't line up with the truth. And then this is the second thing. Ask Holy Spirit to reveal any lies that you're believing about yourself. Some of you have lived your whole life living a lie because you've believed things that people have said to you. I lived probably a good of so far of my life, maybe two thirds of it, under a poverty mindset because I was told as a child that, yeah, that's not for people like us. That's for wealthy people. We're poor people. My family actually sort of took pride in being poor. I don't know about you, but that's nothing to be prideful about. I'm poor. I'm glad I'm poor. I'm glad I don't have any blessings of God pouring into my life. No, no. Like for the people of God, we are prosperous people. Doesn't mean that everybody's gonna be a multi-millionaire, but we're prosperous people. And so I lived with this mindset in my life that, yeah, I'm never gonna, I, I literally remember mindsets being formed and the day and the place that they were formed. My parents were good. They, they, they just didn't know they were ignorant of the things of God. We, didn't, we weren't saved. My parents didn't get saved until later in life. And they got saved just a few months before I got saved. So they were teaching me things that were lies that they believed from somebody in their family. But my, my family had put this yoke, this bondage on me that I'm going to be poor my whole life. I'm never going to own a house that's paid for. And I'm telling you, just plug for some of our financial teaching. My wife and I do mainly to Shay's diligence. We are going to have that house paid off in about four years. And that's, that's against, because again, a lie was told me. I was living in that lie and I was resisting the truth that I could be. Why was I resisting it? Because I had been taught the lie. But God will reveal some things. He'll reveal some things to you that you've been believing about yourself. One of the biggest things for me was stepping closer to God was you're going to have to give up so much. 
like, do you realize how many friends you're going to lose? Do you remember, do you realize how many things you're not going to be able to go and do when you become a Christian? All lies. There's a little bit of truth in there. There are some things, but those things are not doing you any good anyway now. Lies. Receive the truth.